Acts chapter 27. I'm going to read verses 13 through 25. We're going to continue on with this section of Scripture that we began a couple weeks ago, actually at the beginning of this year. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to take some time to pray for the offering as well, Lord God. I forgot to mention that. Lord Jesus, we thank you once again. We don't take anything for granted in these tough times and these hard times that we're experiencing in our church and in our world. We're thankful, Lord God, that the people of God that are uh, members of our congregation have been so loyal and so faithful, Lord God, with their tithes and offerings. Continue to bless our congregation and meet our needs financially. And we pray right now, God, that you would bless this, uh, the, the scriptures here this morning, Lord God, again, we ask that you, uh, your anointing, which is bless the word of the Lord and help me as your servant to communicate it effectively in Jesus name. We pray and all God's people said, amen. Okay. Acts chapter 27, starting at verse 13, the Bible says this, when a gentle South wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to, to the uh, lee of a small island called Kauda, we were hardly able to make the, sa- the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. The, then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Verse 18. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. How many of you here have faith in God that he's going to do exactly what he says he's going to do? Can you say amen, church? Well, this is exactly what was going on in the life of the Apostle Paul. Now, again, because this year has has started off with so many difficulties and so many challenges, not only for us personally, but for many around the world, we began to look at this section of Scripture to help us find some stability in the middle of a storm. We have been learning that the Apostle Paul, through no fault of his own, found himself in the middle of a severe, life-threatening storm. He and the rest of the crew realized that no matter how hard they tried to ease the destructive power of the storm, nothing that they did, humanly possible anyway, worked, and now they had given up. In the last attempt to stabilize the ship, verse 29 in the Bible tells us that the crew dropped four anchors. It says in Acts 27, 29, it says this, Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. 
And I wanted to use this again as a launch point to uh, point out four spiritual anchors that we can use from this text to help us, to help you and I throughout this year. The first anchor that we referred to was found in Acts chapter 27, verse 23. Verse 20, chapter 27, verse 23 says this, Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And we learned that the Apostle Paul made a declaration. He said, he belongs to God. For those of us who are born again, those of us who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, not only are we saved, not only are we forgiven, not only are we children of God, but we belong to God. We are God's property. And secondly, God's presence is with us always, even in the midst of the worst storms of our lives. What is this first anchor? The understanding that because of the cross, we belong to God. How many of you thank Jesus for the cross? Can you say amen? It's because of the cross and those of us who are, who have put our faith in the cross, the work done in the cross by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, where he gave his body and his blood because of the cross, we belong to God and the presence of God is with us. And we shared some encouraging scriptures that confirm that we belong to God and that his presence is always with us, especially in the worst storms of our lives. 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are the temple of God? We belong to the Lord. We are in his temple and that the spirit of God dwells in you. Everywhere you go, God who dwells in you goes with you. He's never going to leave you, church. He's never going to forsake you. He lives inside of you. You belong to the Lord. You are the temple of God. Yes, we're in this beautiful church, in this beautiful building, but you are more beautiful than this building. You are more precious than this building. You are more special than this building. You are more priceless than this building. God lives in you, and you are the true temple of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Exodus 3.12, and God said, I will be with you. Joshua 1.5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Matthew 28, 20. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Romans 8.31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Church, do you believe that God is for you here this morning? Psalm chapter 23 verse 4. New King James Version. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Those of you listening online, if you're in the hospital, if you're on your sick bed, if you feel like you're, like there's no hope, it doesn't matter. God is with you and he's not going to abandon you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Matthew 1 verses 20 through 23. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be 
be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So church number one anchor, we belong to the Lord and God is with us. And now let's get to the second anchor, which is found in Acts chapter 27, verse 23 and 24. Listen to what it says here. Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Now remember, they had given up hope. They had tried everything humanly possible to save themselves. They had given up. But in verse 24, this angel that was sent by God to encourage and speak to Paul said these very powerful words to Paul. You must stand thus before Caesar. You must stand trial before Caesar. God makes a promise to the apostle Paul. God tells Paul that he must stand before Caesar. In other words, Paul, I know that things may look bad right now, but don't be afraid. You must stand before Caesar. Paul, I know that all you see is darkness. All you hear is bad news, bad reports, negative statements. But don't be afraid. You must stand before Caesar. Paul, I know that all seems lost and hopeless. But don't be afraid. You must stand before Caesar. Paul, I know that you and the crew have done everything humanly possible to try to save yourselves. You've gone to every doctor. You've gone to every therapist. You've gone to every remedy and no one has given you any hope that no one has given you any answers but don't be afraid you belong to me i am with you always and you must stand before caesar god gave paul a promise god told paul that he must stand before caesar he assured paul that this was not the end paul will survive the storm paul is not going to die he will make it to rome he will accomplish god's plan and god's purpose and god's will Church, can you shout amen to that? Not only is Paul not going to die, but God is also promising that all of those who are in the ship will also survive. How many of you want all your family to go to heaven? Thank God you're going to heaven. But listen, I have two brothers, three sisters, all kinds of nephews and nieces, all kinds of aunts and uncles, and unless God does something supernatural in their lives, they're on their way to hell. But I want them all to go to heaven. I want them all to be saved. I'm glad that God has saved me, but I want all my family to be saved. I want my neighbors to be saved. I want everyone in the ship to be saved. Now what's interesting about this is that this is not the first and only time that God makes his promise to the Apostle Paul. So here we have the second anchor. Believing and leaning and trusting and resting in the promises of God. In spite 
of what the professionals say, in spite of what the financial advisors say, in spite of what your doctors say, in spite of what the natural circumstances around you say, in spite of how terrible and dangerous and horrible and scary the storm may be that is around you, we need to put our trust and we need to put our hope in the promises of God. Did you hear what I just said, church? Now again, this is not the first time that God speaks to the Apostle Paul about going to Rome. In the book of Acts chapter 19, verse 21, it says this. Acts chapter 19, verse 21, it says, After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. We see that the Apostle Paul in this section of Scripture in Acts chapter 19, he is in the middle of his third missionary journey. And the Holy Spirit had told Paul that he would complete his third missionary journey by arriving in Jerusalem. God also told Paul that he would be arrested and suffer severe persecution in Jerusalem. But no matter what, the Holy Spirit assured the Apostle Paul that he would go to Rome. Somehow, some way, Paul was going to go to Rome. There was also another time that our Lord mentioned to Paul that he would reach Rome. In the book of Acts, chapter 23, verse 11, it says this, The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so, must, so you must also testify in Rome. In this section of Scripture, Paul had completed his third missionary journey. He arrived in Jerusalem, and just like the Holy Spirit warned Paul, he was harassed and soon arrested unjustly. He was also in danger of being assassinated. Let's read Acts 23, verse 11 again, but this time let's also read verse 12, and let's see what he was facing. In Acts 23, 11 and 12, it says this, The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Now remember, Paul was under arrest. He was in chains. He was in Jerusalem. He was falsely accused and judged. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. So again, Paul's life was in danger. He was already arrested. He was already in chains. He was already being harassed and beaten and being persecuted. And his life was in severe danger. But God told him in Acts 23, 11, the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Church, when things look bad, when things look hopeless, when things look dark, when things look confusing and you don't know what to do, you've got to anchor yourselves into God and his promises. Get a hold of yourself a certain scriptures in the Bible and hold on to those scriptures no matter what. I thank God for our ushers who take the time, if you, if you ever write down a prayer request and you submit it to our prayer box back there, our ushers always take time to put down some, promise, some promises on those written requests. Those of you that call in online, unfortunately, you don't have that, uh, that, that benefit. For example, Darlene submitted this prayer request and the ushers took some time to find a couple of promises. Luke chapter 6 Verse 19, 
And 2 Timothy 1.7, Darlene has a friend who is in the psychiatric mental hospital. It's scary being in a psych hospital. And, 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 and the doctors have to figure out what kind of medications to give you to try to balance you out and to try to make sure that you stabilize. It's a very scary place to be. But you know what? God is there with that person if they are believers. You know what's awesome? You can go to your phone and you can go to the internet and you can just simply, I I did it this morning. I just wanted to try it out. I've never done it before, but I wanted to try it out this morning. Scriptures on healing. You just type that in and it'll take you to a bunch of scriptures on healing. Scriptures on finances. Scriptures on on marriage issues, scriptures for children. Just go on your, on your iPhone, on your phone. And you can use that to reference some promises. Now, we have Robert and Evelyn that are here this morning. Do you guys, you guys still don't have cell phones, right? Okay. Now, with Robert and Evelyn, thank God they've been in church for many years. They're seasoned Christians. They don't need the internet. They've been walking with God for so long. Man, all these scriptures are in their heart. They're old school. Too many of us are depending on this instead of getting this into our hearts. Taking time to study this and memorizing those scriptures. One thing about being in a storm. If you're in a financial storm, where you don't know how you're going to pay your bills or your mortgage, which that's coming up for a lot of people because a lot of people haven't paid their rents because of this COVID thing. A lot of people haven't paid their mortgages and they're able to stay in their homes without getting evicted. They're able to stay in their homes without getting kicked out. They're able to stay in their homes because the laws protect them. But one, one of these days, that law is going to be lifted. Those people are going to have to pay their rents. They're going to have to come up with thousands and thousands of dollars on back pay or on back rent to make up. And if they're still not working or if they're sick and, and can't get any income, they're going to be in some serious trouble. They're going to need a financial miracle. You guys following me so far? Whatever it is that you're going through, Find the promise that pertains to that situation and turn that bad situation into a blessing. You turn it into a blessing by finding a scripture that pertains to whatever it is that you need. And instead of going down because of that issue, you're going to rise above it because you're going to hold on to the promise of God that is going to cause you to fly like an eagle through that storm. You got to do it, church. Don't let yourself be overwhelmed in the storm. Find yourself a biblical promise. Memorize it. Memorize it. Hold on to it. When you pray, say, God, your word says this. Your word says this, God. And I believe your word. I'm holding on to your word because you are a promise keeper, God. So God had told Paul a number of times, what he was going to do. We learn in another, another section of Scripture that Paul knew he would have to go to Rome. He was in Caesarea, which is north of Jerusalem, standing trial for the things he was already falsely accused of. He was not in Rome yet. He was in a court in Israel, in Caesarea, the city of Caesarea. And he demanded to be tried before Caesar in Rome. In Acts chapter 25, verses 10 through 12. Let me read this to you. It says this. Paul answered, I am, remember, he's innocent. He hadn't done anything wrong 
But they were trying to kill him and falsely accuse him. Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I have not done any wrong to the Jews, as you yourself know very well. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. After Festus had conferred with his counsel, he declared, You have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you will go. Acts 25, same chapter, verses 24 through 27. Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man. The whole Jewish community has petitioned me about him in Jerusalem and here in Caesarea, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. I found he had done nothing deserving of death, but because he made his appeal to the emperor, I decided to send him to Rome. But I have nothing definite to write to his majesty about him. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that as a result of this investigation, I may have something to write. For I think it is unreasonable to send a prisoner on to Rome without specifying the charges against him. So we see very clearly that the Apostle Paul had already been assured a number of times that he would make it to Rome. Now Paul had already been had been uh, uh, in, in a number of very dangerous situations, but even with all of this assurance, it appears that this storm that Paul was going through was so severe, so powerful, so dark, so dangerous that he needed to be a re- he needed to be reassured by God and his promises that he would reach Rome. How many of you have the courage to admit that sometimes life can get pretty scary? I'm going to be the first one to raise up my hand. And it's so easy for us to begin to panic. It's so easy for us to forget that we're Christians and that we serve a mighty, powerful God. And we lean, we begin to lean out of panic and out of fear and out of anxiety and stress. We begin to lean on our own understanding. And that's where we get more paranoid and more psyched out and more messed up. And we got to get a hold of ourselves, church, and we got to get a hold of God and we got to go to God just like Robert and Evelyn learned to do as since they were little, but now they're veterans in Christ, we got to learn how to go to God in times of crisis and hold on to him. Hold on to him with everything that we got and believe him. And in our text for today, found in Acts chapter 27, verses 23 and 24, it says this, Last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. God gave Paul a promise. You must stand before Caesar. You must stand trial before Caesar. What's important to note is that after God assured Paul and gave him this promise, the storm did not stop. Did everyone hear what I just said? God spoke to the apostle Paul through this angel and told him he will and must stand before Caesar. But the storm did not stop. The storm continued. The storm got worse and increased in strength. Listen to what it says. And let me read the text again. In Acts 27, verses 23 through 27, it says, Last night, 
an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some item. And listen to verse 27. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. So even after all that, the Bible says they were still caught in that storm. They were still out of control. Things were still all messed up. Things still seemed hopeless. But you know what? Paul got and had God's promise that he was going to make it to Rome. So it didn't matter anymore. There's this minister that I listened to. Man, I, I wish I could remember his name. On uh, KKLA, he's a, he's a black minister. I think his, check, his church is in Texas. Tony Evans. Tony Evans, yeah. Okay. I like listening. He gives some really good examples. The other day I was listening and he was saying, you know what? You know what? There's how many, he's, he asked the question, how many of you love wrestling? Okay. And he's on the radio, of course, so I don't know who raised their hand or who didn't raise their hand. Okay. And he said, here's the thing about wrestling. It's fake, he said. Wrestling It's fake. It's a show. It's all programmed. It's all planned beforehand. And here's the thing about wrestling. This is a good example that I want to use right now. When two guys get into that ring, it has already been predetermined who is going to win. And here's the thing about wrestling. The guy that's supposed to win He could be in the worst mess in that ring. He could be getting jumped on and kicked on and beat up on. And it looks like he's all messed up and he's struggling to stay up. But you know what? The end has already been preplanned. And somehow, someway, that guy that looked like he was getting all tore up and all messed up and he was going to lose the fight, guess what? Somehow, he supernaturally, miraculously comes back and he wins that wrestling match. And that's the way it is with you and me when we serve God. It may look like we're losing. It may look like the enemy is getting the best of us. It may look like there is no hope. It may look like we don't have the strength to get back up again. It may look like we're all bloody on the floor, broken leg, broken arm, one eye blinded. It may look like we're totally maimed and handicapped and there's no hope. But you know what? God has already pre-planned who's going to win. And guess what? You're going to come out victorious. Don't be discouraged by what you see or what you feel. Or what's going on. Because in the end, you and I, who belong to God, we win. Can you say amen, church? God gave Paul a promise. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Not only was Paul going to make it to Rome, but all 276 people on board would be saved. Some of you may be saying to yourself, man, I sure wish that God would speak to me like he did with the Apostle Paul because I'm in a really terrible storm. I'm in a really bad place. And man, I could certainly use a personal word from the Holy Spirit. If God wants to send an angel to me, that's fine. 
I sure wish God would give me a promise like that. Well, guess what, church? Wish granted. Wish granted. When it comes to the promises of God, there's a section of scripture that speaks to us about the reality and the truth that God has blessed us with, his promises that will keep us when we are in a storm. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We have the promises of God available to us in the Word of God. Church, everything that we need is right here. That's what God says in verse 3. Everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us. Everything we need is right here, church. You just got to look for it. And if you can't find it, find someone that can help you look for it. That's a good thing and the benefit of having elders in a church, seasoned Christians that you can go to in times of trouble and say, can you please pray for me? Can you please share some scriptures with me about this situation that I'm going through? Because in all probability, they've already been through it. And they know that we can trust God. We have the promises of God available to us in the Word of God. First of all, when we talk about the Word of God, we know that God's Word is powerful. We know know that God's Word is mighty. We know that God's Word is great. God's Word is precious. God's Word is pure. God's Word is unique because it comes from God Himself. Don't trust Pastor Jerry. Don't trust your neighbor. Trust God. Put your trust in the Lord. There's a scripture in the Bible that blows me away every time I read it. It says in Psalm 138, verse 2, it says this, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. And then listen to this. For you have magnified your word above all your name. You have magnified your word, this word right here that I'm holding in my hand. God has magnified it above his very name. I asked Julie if she would be kind enough to come up here and share the names of God that she and the girls are studying right now. So I'm going to have her share the names of God. And listen, listen to the names of God. And God says this, His word is more powerful and has more authority than even His name. Amen. Um, Yeah, since I think it was back in July, we started studying the names of God, and um, I just started memorizing them. I would write them down every night. Um, Well, first we went over them, and we we studied the scriptures and where God was given that name. And, um, And then they were just so beautiful, so I wanted to memorize the names and remember the situation where God where God was the provider, um, you know, so, um, and then I just been doing it every, you know, pretty much every, every night I do it. So, and sometimes I, I, if I can't fall asleep, (laughs) I don't write it down. I'll just count on my fingers. There's 22 of them. And, and it's kind of like a challenge to me, not a challenge, but I just, I have to get them, you know? (laughs) And, and I just think it just helps me. It makes me, uh, know, more who God is, you know, so um, 
Jehovah, he's the self-existing God. He is the great I am. Jehovah Ra, he's the shepherd, and that's from Psalm 23. Jehovah Nisi, he's our banner, our victory. Jehovah Sabiath, he's the commander of heaven's army. Jehovah Shalom, he's our peace. Jehovah Shama, he is there. When you say when when we think he's not there, I always think of that like, where is God? You know, like where is he? And then I remember Jehovah Shama, he is there. Um, Jehovah Teskanu, he's our righteousness. Amen. When we fall short, he is the he is our righteousness because of the blood of Jesus. Jehovah Mekadish, he's our sanctifier. And I say that often because how many of us, we need to be sanctified by him. And he's the one that does it. Amen. Not ourselves. Jehovah Jireh, he's our provider. He will be providing for us, church. Amen. Jehovah Rapha, he's our healer. He's the one who can heal and restore and make whole again. And then there's El. It's spelled E-L. He's the God of power and might. And there's the story behind that when Moses' nephew was taken captive by uh, some ar uh, armies and, and the army of God was smaller. But God told Moses, go. And he said, he called him El, you are the God of power and might. You know? And then there's El Elyon, he's the most high God. Then there's El Olam, he's the everlasting God. There's El Shaddai, he's the almighty, the all-sufficient one. And I love that because sufficient means enough. He is enough. Like when we think, you know, oh, you know, we don't, if you have El Shaddai, he is the almighty. You have all you need. Elohim, he is the triune God, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He's the creator. Then there's the Father where we cry Abba, you know, where we go to our daddy there's Adonai, where he's our Lord and our master, where we follow him, where we're his disciples. Amen. Then there's Emmanuel, God with us. You know, and we say that name a lot at Christmas time, but how about saying it every day? Emmanuel, you are with us. Jehovah Sherub, he's the glorious sword. A sword. He's the word of God. Amen. Jehovah O's. He's, our, he's my strength. He's the one that gives us strength, church. He's El-Ra'i, the God who sees me. And I love that story because Hagar was sent away with her son. She was cast out by Sarah. And it wasn't even her fault. You know, she didn't ask to be, you know, in the situation, if you guys know the story. But she was out in the desert, and she said she had no more water, food. She was ready to die and to watch her son die. And who showed up? God. And she called him, you're El-Rai. You're the God who sees me. And I think of that when, when we, at times we think, God doesn't see me. You know, God doesn't see me. He does. He's El-Rai. He sees you. And then finally, there's, it's El-Nasas. He's a forgiving God. Amen. And how many, we need the forgiveness of God always. Amen. And that's all. Uh, I'm going to learn more, too. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Good job. Good tag team. All right. Let's finish this up. The Bible says that God has given us exceedingly great and precious promises. Exceedingly great. Everyone say exceedingly great. 
That means that no matter what your issue, God's promise is exceedingly greater than that issue, greater than that problem, greater than that struggle, greater than that storm. God's promise is exceedingly great and pre- and precious. These promises far exceed whatever our need may be. No matter what our problem, there is a promise. No matter what our dilemma, there is a promise. No matter what our circumstance, there is a promise. No matter what our sin, there is a promise. No matter what great mountain or wall or giant or obstacle or storm we may face, our God is bigger. Our God is more precious. Our God is more powerful. And he gives us a promise that far exceeds whatever you may be going through today. His promises are greater and far more precious than anything you or I could ever face in this life. These promises are great because they come from a great God. These promises are precious because they are guaranteed with the precious blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So when the enemy tries to lie to us and tell us that we're a bunch of losers, we can read Romans 8.37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. When the enemy tries to lie to us and tells us that God doesn't love us, we can read Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't allow the enemy to lie to you. Don't believe his lies. When the enemy tries to lie to us and tries to condemn us, we can read Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Have you sinned? Go to God. Ask him to forgive you. He will forgive you. When the enemy tries to lie to us and tells us that we are disqualified because of our sins, we can read 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, our God is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. When the enemy tries to intimidate us and tries to lie to us and tell us that he is stronger, we can read Luke 10, 19. I have given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will by any means hurt you or harm you. When the enemy comes and lies to you and says, there's no hope for you in terms of you being healed. The doctors have given up on you. There's no medications. There's nothing left. No, no, no. You believe Matthew chapter 4 verse 23 and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and he healed all manner of sickness and he healed all manner of diseases among the people there is nothing impossible for God I'm going to say it again there is nothing impossible for God when the enemy who is the accuser of the brethren tries to torment us and remind us of our past all we have to do is remind him of his future by reading Revelation 20:10. and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever. When the enemy riles you up and tries to get you to hate your brother or hate your sister, you need to read Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not 
take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I know it's tempting because you want to have the fun of getting even with that person. I know it's hard because you want to have the gratification of hurting that person. Leave it in the hands of God. Leave that person in the hands of the Lord. I'm going to end with this verse in Romans 4.21. It says this, Romans 4.21, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Church, I'm trying as hard as you can to help you to be fully persuaded that God will keep his promise and that God will do what he says he's going to do. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, This is the second anchor, Lord, that we will need to survive any storm in our life. The first anchor is the knowledge and understanding that because of the blood, we belong to you. Because of the cross and the sacrifice of you, Jesus, on that cross, we belong to you. And Lord, you live in us now. You abide in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. And the second anchor, Lord God, is your promise. To believe the promises that you give us in the Word of God. That you hold in higher esteem than even your own name. You back it up with your own name. Help us, Lord, to believe these divine promises that are exceedingly more precious and more powerful than anything we may be going through in our lives. Help us to be fully persuaded, fully persuaded that you, God, have the power to do what you have promised. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. And I want to do that here today. Just lift up your hand and we will pray. Anyone at all that says, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I want to surrender my life to the Lord. Those of you online listening, if you want to receive Jesus, just repeat these words with me. It's a prayer of confession, a prayer of surrender to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you and acknowledge that I am a sinner. I need forgiveness. And I believe that you, Jesus, died on the cross and gave yourself and your blood for me. So today, I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless your church. 
If you said that prayer and you need to speak to someone, please feel free to come on, call us. We will contact you. We'll get a hold of you. If you need a Bible, we'll get you a Bible. Whatever you need to help you in this journey that you have begun here today, let us know and we'll do our best to help you. God bless all of you. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Amen.